Hey guys, welcome back again to the Cut Light and Smoke podcast presented by Zeal Cigars and coming to you live from the Huddle Up Store Studios in bright and sunny Phoenix, Arizona, which is overcast today and it's about 60 degrees outside or 65 degrees outside. Uh, for us, that's really, really cold, And uh, but we're talking about a subject that's pretty hot today, but let's talk about the cigars that we're smoking first so we can get into the subject and not be distracted. Uh, I think one of the comments on our last video was, why did you spend eight minutes talking about the cigars? Hey, we're cigar guys. It's kind of what we do. Sorry about that. But our podcast is, is uh, talking about stuff that, that, that deals with men, masculinity, and cigars, and culture, and things like that. And so uh, we are smoking cigars. So I'm joined here by my co-host, JB. JB, so it's other people. What's going on? And what cigars are we smoking? And tell me a little bit about that. I know you were just a little bit, just a little Uh, bit. (laughs) Tell me about the cigars you're smoking and and why other people should smoke these. Well, first you don't inhale. Yeah, big thing. Um, uh, no, there's a, there's a couple guys that come in here and there's uh there's one guy that works for, he has his own brokerage uh, company called Modi cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, and he works very heavily with, um, the BCA, which I don't really know a ton about. And he, he's, he's always trying to educate me a little bit and I, I'm sorry, I haven't really, uh, had the time to really sit down and learn a lot about it. Sure. 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 Yeah. Um, but essentially that's the boutique cigar association. Well, so, so many associations in the cigar industry. Right. So weird. Yeah. Uh, but you, this company is one of those boutique small companies. It's okay. called GTO. Okay. Um, apparently, they've been around since like 1950s. Um, I'm smoking what's called the Painkiller. Uh, it's mostly all Dominican tobacco. Um, you have a very unique, like aged 10 year tobacco, allegedly. It's in called the, the GTO La, La Cura. La Cura, yeah. Yeah, I guess La Cura Maduro. Uh, mine's called the Painkiller. And according okay. to uh, Modi, this is one of the. Um, better sellers out of their lineup, and I'll I'll be honest. The first jump, it's it's enjoyable. This is enjoyable at first go. It's enjoyable. Just so you know, nice, nice, rich, dark, you know, creamy chocolate. Um, yeah, some nice creamy cedar as well. Very, very good. Very, Lots very of good. smoke, so, man. Yeah, it's I'm a very getting good a cigar. lot of uh, light draw. How's the draw on that one? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect draw. Perfect burn so far. So. I'm imagining this is going to be as perfect as the subject we're talking about right now. So let's talk about the subject that we're talking about, JB, because it's going to be kind of an interview from you to me about the top 10 hardest questions to answer from a Christian perspective about God. Okay. So that's kind of, that's kind of where we're going. That's the whole vibe for the day. And the reason we're doing this is because we're getting around the holidays uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of creasters out there. A lot of people go to church at Christmas or Easter. Or a lot of what? Creasters, bro. Creasters, guys that go to church at Christmas and Easter. Come on, man. Creasters? Yeah, you guys know who you are. Yeah, you get, you never show up to church. Why does, this, why does this sound like some religion that goes and worships Krampus? <laughs> I know, I don't know, I don't know. But the, but the Creasters, the guys Christ- are going to... And, and, you know, and this isn't like a slam on you or anything else like that, but a lot of people, you know, around the holidays get real religious and get really, really into their spiritual life, which I'm not dogging at all. I think it's great, you know, as a former pastor and somebody who is, is absolutely excited for you to just explore your faith excited for you to reconnect with jesus and, and the church and everything like that i'm 100 for it sidebar go how many of those people do you think end up coming back to church on a regular basis though well national percentage i think is fit less than 15 percent of the ones that that are yeah. that, that you're referring to as right. priesters right 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 end up coming back and staying right. back in the church right right i mean that's, that's i mean it's a small number when you look at how many people are and religious. That's, that's an but old stat, so I don't know what the new stat is. You know, yeah. I, I, I was I just know. curious. Sorry, yeah, that was yeah. just a weird thought I had. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, every time I've done every time I've done a, an Easter service or or a uh, Christmas service, I'd always tell them. You know, Christmas is like, hey guys, I haven't seen you guys since Easter. How you doing? Good to see you because everybody shows up. You know, 
And then uh, on Easter, how are you guys doing? I haven't seen you since Christmas. Hey, come back in once in a while and say hi, you know? You said something coming. funny the other day. It was probably a while ago. I was going to say the other day, but it was probably a while ago. And uh, it was along the lines of, like, if you ever looked really close at a lot of uh, big churches or even smaller churches, like pictures mm-hmm. that they put online, mm-hmm. and you were like, I bet if you look really, really close, you'll probably see some sort of Christmas lights or some sort of Easter thing because they're taking those pictures of the congregation when it's completely packed full oh, 100%. on Christmas or Easter. Oh, yeah. It's marketing 101. <laughs> marketing 101, yeah. So then we I don't went take back. pictures of our humidors when we're down on cigars, bro. No, I went back we and, take pictures of them when they're full, right? <laughs> I went back and looked, and I was like, sure enough, they had like, you could see green and oh, blue yeah, lights oh, and yeah. red lights and stuff. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, man, no. Yeah, I, I, when I planted a couple churches, I literally, you know. we, we You, know, you we, have to take that if picture. We had, we had, if we had 50 or 75 people, so 150 people showed up for Christmas and like that, oh, man, we're making we're taking pictures from like with crowds of 25 are there just looking at people. I'm like, yeah, dude, we're packed. Sorry, man. You might find a <laughs> Standing seat. room yeah, only today, dude. No pew for it's you. It's crazy. It's crazy, you know, so. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's not to dog your journey or anything like that or to say that I'm not excited about your journey to faith. But uh, during the holidays, a lot of people are exploring you know, coming back to the church and so on and so forth. And if you're trying to use my dog as an excuse for why you don't go to church because we're so judgmental, oh, come on, lighten up a little bit. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just having fun with you. Uh, and hopefully you have a good time and uh, you get something out of this conversation we're going to have. So uh, we, 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 this conversation is going to be kind of interesting because these are some of the top 10 questions that are hard for Christians to answer about God. And so we are coming from a biblical Christian worldview as we talk about this stuff. And uh, we are smoking good cigars while we do it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what some of your feedback is on some of the questions that are asked here. And so JB's going to be the, 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 the question and the answerer. And some of these, I'll be answering a lot of these as well. I'm the captain. Now. And he's, he's the, he's the captain. He's got the con and uh, he's going to be asking the questions. So <clears throat> with that said, JB jumping to number one. I think, uh, I think it's pretty easy to ask you the first one, right? I think, I think the number one question people have is also probably the hardest one to answer. Okay. And it's, it's, does God really exist? And how and how do I know that? Yeah, yeah. Now so, the how to know is obviously a little bit easier to answer, right? Well, I think I think it's a it's kind of a loaded question. I'll, I'll answer it. I'll try to answer the trap. questions. I'll try to answer the questions as fast as I possibly can because they are loaded questions. Uh, first off, how do how do we know God exists? Well, there's a couple there's a couple places you can look at the, the way that we're designed. Okay, when you look at the creation, you can see there's the whole a creator. Earth, man, that's that's one of the that's one of the evidential signs. I mean, everything down to our DNA. That if you actually look at the DNA molecules, they form a cross, which is kind of interesting. You know, just how God's fingerprints are all over everything. I mean, the way that we judge, um, you know. Uh, existence is in time is three ways, three things, time, space, and matter. Each of those, each of those things have three things to them. Uh, space is height, depth, width, um, or yeah, I think that's space, height, depth, width, and then matter, solid, liquid, gas, and then time, past, present, future. So the Trinity of all trinities is written into our DNA. So if God is saying he's triune and it says that in the Bible, then it's not really hard to see his fingerprints in all the things that we have here. Now that's a very elementary, you know, kind of colloquial way of answering the question, but I, when I think when it comes to hard evidence about God, you can only go so far with intellectually, you know, being intellectually true about this, you can only go so far to to prove God's existence. But there is a lot of historical evidence um, around the Bible in particular. So when it comes to the Bible and it being a historically accurate document um, and what Christians believe without error and genuinely inspired in the original text, maybe not in some of the texts we have now, but the original text that it was written, there went my water. Um, the uh, 
that that's what we that I think it's it's not it's not ignorant to believe that that is true. It's not ignorant to believe that that is real, uh, and it's not emotionally sensationalistic to believe that either. I think there's people throughout the ages, uh, if we look back through the ages of what how people developed uh, their view of of humanity was always from a God centered point of view. It's only in our recent days, and maybe in the last. 50 to 100 years where atheism has, has, has had a surge and everything else like that, um, where it's been kind of, kind of crazy like that. So that's been, you know, kind of good. There, on that. Now I'm going to, 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 I'm going to be porky, porky, porky pig here. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, it's interesting because you said that there's like, it's kind of that, like there's no hard, uh, scientific data, right? Right. Well, there is. I mean, that's what I'm getting at. But, Hold on, yeah, don't yeah. get ahead of me. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but if you actually look at the math, mm-hmm. it matches. And math doesn't lie. Like seriously, yeah. like, like like that's that's the whole like uh, I don't want to get into it too deep because we got more questions. But that's the whole like living in a simulation theory. Right. If the math works that perfect that people think we're living in a simulation, mm-hmm. how is it so perfect? Mm-hmm. How's the math so perfect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's even um, surrounding Jesus' birth. We're giving coming to Christmas, right? So the birth birth of Christ is a big thing for Christians to celebrate. So surrounding Jesus' birth is a very good movie called The Star of Bethlehem. You guys should all watch. Uh, it's a very interesting take on uh, the stars aligning for the birth of Christ, and they narrowed it down to like a a couple days or maybe a date they actually have it on. It's August, um, right? I thought it was in April. Maybe it's August. I don't. I can't remember. Starts with an A. Um, I know that. So we got August and April for the months. We don't know. Fight. Um, but but essentially, <laughs> what you should do is look at all the evidence for yourself, and then make an intellectual judgment on yeah. that. You know, um, a lot of times when it comes to um, Jesus and God and the Bible and stuff like that, we tend to make emotional judgments judgments on that, not not intellectual ones necessarily. And even the ones we think are intellectual are usually emotional because we have damage somewhere from somebody that you know, we have pain in the past from. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the, that's the, that's kind of the, the simplistic answer to that. I could give you tons of resources and everything else like that. And I will in the video in the links, by the way, I'll put some resources down that if you have any questions about things that we're asking, um, I actually showed Justin one of these resources and you kind of got wild about it. Weren't you? You were like, Whoa, I would have been a dangerous dude. Yeah. I'm going to just put it that way. Cause I'm, I'm already kind of a kind of an argumentative jerk when it comes to stuff yeah uh (laughs) but if i would have had something like this in my pocket dude it's like having a calculator in your pocket it's it's kind of nice it's it's a really it really is it's an exhaustive it's an exhaustive concordance of answers to really hard questions about god and we'll we'll, from a biblical perspective by the way so i'll I'll give you that later on but if you want to find it go to carm.org c-a-r-m.org uh, guy named Matthew Slick made it. It's very interesting, very good. Um, so let's let's uh, let's continue on. Question number two. Uh, dang, I had something else. Okay, I was something gonna, else. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't remember what it was. I was gonna piggy. I was gonna say something else off of that. Oh, I was gonna say I could even take it another layer as far as talking about a creator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so part of my journey has been not necessarily like debunking Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. But I kind of looked at it from that angle. I started exploring like. What do other civilizations say about it? What do other religions say about Jesus? What do the Native Americans say about creation? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of took it all in just as like a general, what do all these things say? What are the commonalities and how do I look at that for my own life, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, dude, every single one 
believes in some sort of higher power. You look at the Native Americans, they believe somebody was up in the clouds. They believed in the great creator in the clouds. You look mm-hmm. at Hindu, Greek, mm-hmm. Roman. I mean, I could go on forever. Every single one of these different ancient civilizations, even down to like pygmy people in the middle of nowhere, believed that there was some sort of a creator. So it's kind of hard to like, well, I, to I, not give it a thought whenever, when there's when there's so many civilizations that know less than you that believe in this. And I, I think that um, the Bible talks about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. I can't remember exactly where, but it talks about eternity being written in the heart of every man. Mm. So meaning like there there is a, and I've had multiple conversations with guys who have come in the cigar shop before and everything like that. So um, for you guys who aren't familiar with who we are, I'm not. I'm 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 a I'm a pastor. I'm still you know I'm still still in good standing and everything else like that. I don't have a church. I don't plan on getting a church or anything like that. But I I I I work and own full time a, a cigar shop and a cigar retail uh, place. But um and so a lot of people come in here and want to talk about spiritual stuff or politics or anything like that. I'd love to engage them in that kind of stuff. So the two things that you never talk about at the dinner table are two are, are like the two things that everyone comes here to talk about at Zeal. So anyways. So we're, we're talking about this, and when I entertain atheists and agnostics and everything else like that, um, I always say the same thing. I said, you know, it's, it's really hard to believe, you know, that you weren't created because when you go to bed at night, you're asking God or the ceiling or whatever you think is out there, why? And I, I'm here to tell you about the one that you're, you're asking the question to. So let's talk about that. So that's kind of what happens. Um, You've seen that more than once. Be honest about it. Like, I mean, say, yeah. so, say that one more time. Yeah, you're, you're looking for the next question. <laughs> People come in here all the time. To oh talk yeah, about absolutely. It's, it's it, yes, crazy. it happened. It happened this morning. Yeah, yeah it did. Literally yeah, first did. thing this morning. Yeah. So uh, it does. It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the next one's kind of a two questions I'm going to put into one, but I'm going to answer. I'm going to ask them as two different questions, but they kind of go together. Okay. Um, Dude, can I say something about this last, last question real quick? Yeah. Just because every culture has a God understanding. Doesn't mean it's the same. I understand it that. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's redemptive. It doesn't mean it's salvific or anything yes. like that. I want to make sure I understand that because I'm not saying all roads lead to God or anything else like that. But I am saying that everyone commun- communally as a human race has a God-shaped hole in their heart. I mean, you probably it, heard that before, songs about it and everything else like that. But I'm just telling you, that is that's true. That's why you feel empty. That. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, okay. dang it, you keep getting me on this rabbit hole. So uh, Steve Jobs said something that I had a really hard time um, thinking through, mm-hmm. and it was my stepbrother actually. Uh, shout out to Ricky who probably doesn't watch this, but okay, um, he he's actually the one that kind of checked me on this, and um, because Steve Jobs had said something really interesting to me, and it was, you know, a lot of religions are different doors into the same house, mm. and at first. If, if you really think about that, your mind wants to tell you, well, yeah, everybody believes in, a, you know, all these different religions believe in a God. They believe in a creator, da, 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 da. But when you really get down into like a lot of the doctrines and a lot of the beliefs, some things are very different. Right. So um, although they might all believe in a creator, they're definitely not always going into the same house. Right. Right. I would agree with that. So yeah, I mean, that, yeah. And that was something I had to struggle with internally because right. I was like, why are all these people fighting? They all think they're going to go to the same freaking right. place. Right. And also, like, I don't think the, the, the point of Christianity isn't to fight with people to tell them what you believe. I don't fight with anybody. I, I like dialogue. I like debate. I think that's healthy. 
Uh, I don't like fighting with people about what they believe. I'm not, I'm not insulting people or anything like that. So if, if you think I'm just a crackpot and everything else like that, and you want to leave dirt, dirty comments and nasty comments, that, that's fine. You're, you're entitled to do that. I believe in free speech still. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm not here to, like, you got a pot of crack, dude. You, we should know? sell it. You know, that's, I'm just telling you, man, I, it's not something that, like, you know, that, that when you hear the Christians that are yelling and screaming at you to repent and everything else like that, I don't know that's the best way to go about it. But I do believe you should repent. Trust me. So let's go. All right. So now to the next two questions. Um, so they kind of go together. So the first one is kind of like, uh, you know, does law God love everybody? And if he does love everybody, then why does he allow things like suffering and mass extinctions, like the flood and sure. things like that? Right. Sure. Sure. So those are those are those are two questions I hear a lot. Okay. All right. So the first, the first this is a couple questions. Does in there. God love everybody? Does God love everybody? Um, I would say there's a generalized love that he has for the human race. Yes. Ooh. Um, I, I would say that like there's a generalized love and grace and there's several Bible verses you could find that God, God is putting up with, uh, human sin, uh, for the sake of showing you his goodness that would ultimately bring you to repentance. That happens continually, uh, for people who don't know Jesus and don't, have not yet experienced a relationship with Christ necessarily. So, uh, God and God's goodness is meant to bring you to repentance where you, you literally turn from your old life and turn towards Jesus. That's, that's literally how it's supposed to be. So as a result of that, I think, um, in that regard, God loves everybody. Now here's the caveat to that. Uh, God hates sin. He doesn't like, he doesn't like kind of hate it. It can't be around him. He's holy. He's fully apart from it. So the same God who loves you in absolutely, uh, is enamored with reaching you and does everything he can to do so. Uh, even by you watching this podcast right now, two weird guys, one with a bad beard, smoking cigars, he ultimately wants a relationship with you. Uh, we got a real bad divide between us and God, and that's our sin. Now, sin is really simple. It's not very complicated. It's anything that shall fall short of perfection. In fact, it's a. it comes from an old archery term, uh, in the Greco-Roman game. So if you shot an arrow and it went anywhere outside the bullseye, they'd, mer- they, they'd measure where the arrow was to the bullseye, and that was called the sin distance. So yes. it's missing the mark of perfection. Yes. So anything that you do morally to offend God, either by active rebellion or passive indifference, active rebellion is giving God the finger and saying, I don't care anyways. Passive indifference is when we know we should do something good that God wants us to do, and we regardless, we don't do it anyway. So both of those are equal sins and separate us from God. So as a result of that, what God does is he sees the problem. He says, they can't solve it themselves. What I'm going to do is show them how much they can't solve it themselves. So I'm going to give them a bunch of laws to show them how perfect I am. Remember the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments weren't meant for you to follow perfectly. It's impossible to do it, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah, it was to prove that you couldn't be perfect. Exactly, exactly. We see that in the book of I, Romans. I want to... Go ahead, go ahead. I know you probably got a lot more to say about that, but mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on something because I have a buddy um, named Josh who gave me um, a really good description of this. Okay. Um, and uh, it's it's basically the Ten Commandments is the human condition. Yes. Right? Yeah. So let me, let me break that down in the easiest way that I can make sense of it. Okay. The human condition is the fact that we want control over everything but we we suffer with the fact that we can never be God, but we want to be. Yes, 100%. Right? That's mm-hmm. the human condition. The human yeah. condition is that, one, you're going to die, mm-hmm. and you really don't have as much control as you might think you do. Now we're getting into a conversation about 
predestination and free will, right? And then if you want to see pastors fight each other, go ahead and have them have that conversation. It's a cage match, bro. It's a cage um, match. <laughs> but but no, general generally speaking, like that yeah. that's the that's the topic, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. But getting back to the the does God love you or not love you? That's a, the the point is. So there's there's plenty of verses that talk very clearly that uh, we're, we're we're children of wrath when we're not in a relationship with God, and that God's wrath falls on us when we're not in a relationship with God. So in that regard, yeah, no. Yeah, that's we'll, that, that. Yeah, being a child of wrath, we'll come back. Is not to that. a child of love. Okay, we'll come back to okay, that. But the, the the whole point is when when things are, are are wrathful around you and you're experiencing that, the whole point is to is that you would see God's goodness putting up with our sin so that we would turn to Him. And I remember I remember hearing this for the very first time in my entire life. Is I, I remember waking up this spiritual reality of like, okay, I'm kindling for God's fireplace. I don't want to be that, and I need a relationship with God in order to get there. And so I remember hearing the gospel, the, the good news about Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sin. If I place my faith in what he did and how he accomplished this on, on the cross, then what can happen can literally be a new relationship form and all of my sin wiped away. And that's what the gospel essentially is. Um, so does God love us? Yes, yes and no. He hates yeah. sin. Okay, he hates sin. So this whole thing where God loves loves sin and hates the sinner type thing, or no, yeah. God Love the sin and hate the sinner. Uh, God, that's not in the Bible well, anywhere. Gandhi said that, dude, so by the way. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm going to skip a, uh, you answering the why does God allow suffering okay. and go to, well, does he punish us when we sin? So with that being said, do we get punished when we sin? <laughs> and then you can answer the, uh, you can go back and answer why he allows suffering. So let's talk about sin, the difference. Let's talk about are the we Okay, let's talk about the difference between punishment and, and, and consequence. Ooh. I think there's a big difference between punishment and consequence. Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know... I don't know that anybody on this planet at this point in time has really witnessed God's wrath. So the the big difference is the difference between consequence and punishment. So the things that we have, the things that we do in life have consequence to them and the, why we do the things in life have consequence to them. So God punishes sin because God is holy. And so he has to punish sin. What's wrong? Keep going. Okay. God has to punish sin. What, what are you doing? Bourbon. Oh, okay. He's getting bourbon. That's the rum gone. Okay. So, am I am I recording still? Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> um. So here here's the yeah. We're gonna have a little bit of of, of bourbon to our heart's content. Uh, within reason. Within reason. We're not drunkards. I promise. Um. Yeah. Look at that. Little little, little four roses. So here here here's the thing. So when it comes to consequence, when it comes to punishment, um. Remember, we we think we think we're God all the time. So we think that we are the the judge, jury, and executioner of our own life. So when that happens, if there is a God, and if God is God, then you don't have control of your own life, and you aren't the judge, jury, and executioner of your own life. And so what ends up happening when we talk about punishment? We think it's so unjust that God would punish us for something obviously we didn't do that we thought was wrong, uh, but God has revealed it continually to us that, hey, I'm reaching out to you. Here's 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 why our relationship is separated. It's because of sin. And these are the reasons that you're dealing with the life that you're dealing with, you know, and until we humble ourselves and come to God the way that he desires us to come to him, then we will never, ever understand the difference between consequence and sin. Now, there are consequences that we naturally deal with because we are human beings. Okay. They just are. They're, I mean, and punishment 
has to do with wrath, meaning that if you're not in Christ, according to Scripture, if you're not in Christ, you're something called a child of wrath. That means God's wrath rests on you. That means no matter what you're doing in life and everything else like that, you'll be thinking ultimately selfishly about what you get out of it and everything else like that. And you can say, you can lie to yourself that everything is for everybody else and I am I am selflessly giving myself over to everything. Well, if you guys are honest, you're like me or anybody else, you're, you're, you're probably a little selfish and you're probably doing things mostly for yourself. Well, that goes against God's law. Again, that's something called sin. So God, because he's holy and just, has to punish that. Okay. And the difference between Christians and people who aren't Christians, theologically speaking, is God punishes everyone equally. The difference between Christians is when he gives his son, all of his wrath falls on Jesus in our place for our sin. And the proper response for that is to be grateful for what Christ did and not take advantage of that. Like, well, I'm forgiven. Now I just go out and sin a whole lot because all my Yay! sins forgetting, boss, past, present, future, you know? So those, those are the things that I, that I think are important to differentiate between punishment and everything else like that. Because if God's holy, if God's just, and God made the rules, well, God can punish accordingly. So, but he doesn't punish us according fully to what we deserve because he's putting up with us so that we will come into a right relation with him. And he desperately wants that with us. I promise you. Well, so I've got, I've got two things on that personally. Okay. So one is a personal experience and one is um, just a, a personal opinion on stuff. Right. Can I say something before you say something you're going to say? Sure. Uh, every time we, most times that we think God's punishing us, it's not that it's just consequence of our own sin. Most times, not every time, but most times, so go right ahead. I might be. I might remember all this. Well, the yeah, you you too. the The first thing I was gonna say is is like I think I think God's wrath comes on on people who are believers and who do something maybe that they don't feel that was morally right. I think the punishment comes in a different way. And can, can I elaborate on that? Only if I can give you a caveat before you elaborate. Sure. The, so with believers, I don't believe his wrath rests on them. I believe his discipline does, because like a good father, I respect okay, okay, that. Okay, I respect sure. that. Because a good I respect father, that. you don't your your wrath doesn't rest on your kid. Well, your discipline does. Yeah, and well, and to be honest, we're we're not going to see wrath the same way that we saw before Jesus, because Jesus took care of that for us, right? So we're not going to see after Jesus the same kind of wrath that we saw until he comes back. Is is my thought. Oh, okay, sure. All right. But yeah. what you're gonna see is is individual things, right? So, mm -hmm. for example, um, some things were going on in my life, and there were some things happening that were pushing me towards a, a path that I one didn't want to go down, mm -hmm. and two um, was 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 telling myself I needed to go down. I'm just gonna leave it that way. Okay. Um, and what happened was is I ended up having a lot of anxiety as a result of this. Um, I was super stressed out. I had a ton of anxiety. I felt like um, the decisions that I was potentially going to make were going to ruin my life. And the things that uh, were, were being put in front of me were things that were going to potentially um, uh, take things away from my life that are great and put me into a position of life that wouldn't be so great. And I generally feel like I felt that way because I was being pulled into a direction of sin that I, I deep in my heart didn't want to be a part of, but because of the way that my life situation was going, I was being pulled to that more than ever. And I think that that anxiety 
and that like shame that I was feeling was the closest that I could get to the wrath of God telling me that you're not doing something right. Yeah, I, I think I think convict. So here's the difference between shame, shame, guilt, and conviction. I think are three different things. Yeah. So guilt is something you're guilty of. Well, for like sure. I, I, didn't, if I didn't do anything, guilt, so no, I wasn't I guilty. <laughs> so, but, but, but if you're if you're guilty of something, you're guilty of it. Okay. If you're not, you have, you shouldn't feel any kind of shame. And shame is a feeling that you feel because you're you're guilty about something. Conviction, I, I would say, is something that would come to Christians from the Holy Spirit from that that's that's more of a personal level of yes. I'm convicted about that it's not necessarily even a sin for or, me but or I a punishment yeah right? yeah or I'm convicted about that you know if you would so um and, and it calls for a life change it's it's also called sanctification if you're in more of a traditional church or uh you know um regenerational growth if you're in you know more of new churches they say things like you know yeah. if you're a new man or renewed and and so on and so forth in your spirit so um but I think the difference between you know wrath and discipline comes back to that as well because uh, in in First John there's a really good verse about this and it says um, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do this is God's love and perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with judgment and the, the reason that we fear is because we feel we're going to be judged and we know that God ultimately even you know this even if you don't believe in Him fear, I mean ideologically and just intellectually, you would have to agree that he would be the righteous judge if he exists. So we're afraid of that judgment. For Christians that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ because of the grace that God's given us by pouring out all his wrath on Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of that judgment. We get nothing but good discipline from a loving dad. That's how we look at the relationship. That's how we're meant to look at the relationship. What, what do you mean by perfect love? You're gonna have to elaborate on that. So perfect, cause, perfect cause, love cause, is only, can, can anything really be perfect? God, God is. So, ah. so, so if if God is if God is love, that's the one thing that said, said mm, more about God than anything. That's is, true. Is that He's love, but it's also said that He's holy. So there's two things about God that said more than anything. Uh, God's holy and He's love loving, and He's also wrathful. By the way, we could see that uh, most definitely. But that His holiness and and the fact that He loves, God loves uh, that that when we understand the plan that God does have for us, despite what Drake says, it's important to go like, what, 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 what is it that God has for me? What, what, what is it? What is it about? What is it for my life that God wants for me? You know, and the, and the very first thing that he wants from you, no matter what you think is a relationship with you. And that's not super complicated. It's not even super complicated to get. It's a releasing of control on your life, of your will, humbling yourself and coming before the Almighty God and saying, God, I want you in my life. I confess and I repent of all of my sin. Will you now take from me all of my sin and give me your Holy Spirit and cleanse me anew? Will you do that now? By your grace, and it's simple. It's by faith and through prayer. It's not very complicated. And I'm not dogging on you if you don't know this. I'm just saying. I see so many preachers out there and churches making it complicated and you got to do all these things and clean yourself up before you come to God. And it's not true. You don't. He takes you just as you are. Like Billy Graham used to say, dude, the OG, the OG Billy Graham used to be like, just as you are, man, come to God as you are. Filthy as you are, disgusting as you are, come to God as you are. All, all I'm, I'm going to say is, a bit, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, all I'm going to say is to that is like, if you look at biblical history and you look at people like Paul, mm. God uses the worst people to show you oh, yeah. that they can be changed. Yeah, Paul was one of the most murderous people oh, on the yeah. planet. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he came to Christ. Oh, yeah. God showed up and knocked him off uh, on his booty. 
gave him some scales on his eyes and said, uh, hey, it's me you're persecuting. That was Jesus, so, yeah. With all, with, with all that being said, let's go through this real quick, and then I got a couple more questions. Okay. So, so why does he allow the suffering then? That is an unanswerable question. Meaning, like, uh, part of it is so God didn't bring bring on suffering to human beings. So, if God didn't bring suffering to humans, then how did it get here? Well, we brought it on ourselves. So left our own devices. You did it to yourself. We did. And so here, here's the big, here's the big thing, right? I know, yourself. I know where people are going to go with this. People are going to go typically down the, down the route of like, well, if he's fully in control of everything, well, then why did he let us do that? Here's the reality. He gave us the warning ahead of time. If you go back to Genesis chapter three, okay? So everything's hunky-dory in Genesis chapter one, chapter two. Uh, everyone's naked, eating fruit. Mm-hmm having sex, and that's basically Adam and Eve. That's, just, that's all we know. And it's wonderful. It's in biblical biblical marriage, and everything's, everything's great. Satan shows up and starts talking to Eve, and he says to Eve what he says to you and to me and to everybody around here. What are you doing? I had cigar ash dropped out Did my shirt because really? <laughs> I was being an idiot. Well, he says, to, he says to Eve what he says to you and I all the time. Did God really say... And he gets us to doubt God's word. He gets us mm. to doubt God's intentions. He gets us to doubt God, period. And he wants us to think that we're God's and that we're the ones in control and that we know better for our lives than God. And then when that happened, and, and Eve, Did, Adam and didn't Eve Didn't he specifically him. say, did God really tell Adam that? Is he telling you the truth? No, yeah. He said he said, Are you sure did Adam's God really not say? lying to mm-hmm. you and trying to control you? Well, he said, so here's the other thing about the devil, man. He's so clever. It's ridiculous. So... He he told he told Eve the truth. He did tell Eve the truth as he lied to her. Okay, so he literally says, "Did God really say?" Which God did say. Okay, God did say that, and He did say, "If if you do take from this, you will die." And I had somebody comment to me and says, "Well, Adam and Eve didn't die." Well, yes, they did. Death is twofold. There's a are spiritual. They, are death. they still alive somewhere no, that I don't not. know about, dude? There's spiritual death and there's a physical <laughs> death. Okay, and they never experienced. They were never. We were never meant to experience death in any way, shape, and form. The spiritual death, the death of of a relationship with God, they immediately experienced. And then the death of the physical body dying, we were never meant to experience. So then when we experience it, that's why everyone's afraid of death. There's nobody here on this earth. I don't care how much of a badass you think you are, dudes. Okay, you are still afraid of death. Every real warrior, when they go out to war, if you really ask men, Okay, that before they go into war, are you afraid of death? Of course they're afraid of death. That's why there's no atheists in foxholes, okay, in all honesty. So Satan tells the woman, and Adam's right there with her, did God really say, God knows that you'll be like him. God's, God's trying to hold out on you. And the fact of the matter is he says that to you right at home right now when you're listening to this. God's trying to hold out on you. That's why you can't trust him. That's why you can't trust him. He's trying to hold out on you. That's why you can't trust him with your job. You can't trust him with your wife. You can't trust him with your kids. He doesn't want you him. to make money. Yeah. He doesn't want yeah, you yeah, to bang exactly. girls. Yeah. He it, doesn't want you to drive nice cars. Right? He doesn't want you to have a nice house. Right, right. He's telling, he's telling me, all, God's, God, don't, don't follow God. He doesn't want you to have any of that kind of stuff. And here's the thing, man. Can you trust God that if he doesn't want you to have that, he knows that that wouldn't be good for you? See, it takes a certain type of trust in God to believe that. It, t- it takes a certain kind of trust. And that, that's what we call faith. That, by the way, both of us, are dem- both of us, J- Jamie and I, are demonstrating faith right now without even telling you that we are. We, we sat in a chair trusting that was literally going to hold us up. Okay? That's well, you literally. Did, you did. Yeah, I did, yeah, because I'm a little bigger than you are. <laughs> but I will say this. That's not, that's essentially what faith is. You're trusting God with your life. And here's the thing. He is trustworthy. 
And if you're not, I mean, he's been trustworthy for however long we've been alive. I mean, honestly, and over so many people have trusted him. I know you feel like you've, you've been let down. Some of you guys have been let down. He didn't do what I wanted to. Maybe God allowing the, the, the pain in your life and the suffering in your life was for the purpose of you turning your head towards him. Mm. And he's got so much more on the other side for that. Maybe that maybe that's it. I don't know. And I and listen, I'm not coming to I'm not coming to you from a place of never having to experience pain, never had anyone <laughs> die on me, never had listen, I'm forty nine years old. I've I've been through my struggles of pain, okay? And I got plenty on the other side still, okay, because I'm only forty nine. But the reality is if you buy if you bite the apple that Satan's trying to give you, okay, that God's just holding out on you. You will never trust anybody for anything ever, okay? Because that that's where trust issues come from. You think that you're the judge, jury, and ex- executioner and thing, and not God. You can't even just, just judge a man's character mm. after that point. You can't judge a man's character after that point. You think everyone's out to get you. And nobody wants to be your friend authentically. I, I think, still struggle with that kind of stuff all the time because I've been deceived by so many people. I think people I'm, are out to get me, dude. Well, yeah, but those are those are people who need to lock you up. I mean, that's, that's, that's a different thing. It's a different thing. So I don't for, need to be locked up. <laughs> Well, let's go. Let's go on to the next question. Tell, tell, real quick, tell me this, how the cigar is going for you, dude. This thing, it's kind of one dimensional. It's it? not as complex as like the the Abe Flores one, where I was like, it was kind of inconsistent because I was just getting so much different from it, and it wasn't really like giving me anything that was super similar. Mm-hmm. This thing is similar pretty much all the way through, but it is a very enjoyable smoke. I'm really enjoying this. I'm surprised by this. Okay, I'm liking this. Uh, this is pretty good. This uh, Dominican, what's it called, La, La Cura by GTO, it's yeah. pretty good. I don't I'm know the price like, points. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, um, at smokeability, fine cigar. Very, yeah, very good it's cigar. very good, man. Dark, the, the painkiller. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. I would say, yeah. like, I would say if you're going through some stuff and you just need to sit down and think through some stuff, or if you're listening to this podcast and you need to think through it, the painkiller will definitely help you get through it. That's for awesome. sure. That's awesome. Um, all right. So I got a got a couple more, maybe just one, depending on how it goes, and oh then boy. we'll go from there. Here we go. It's coming. Uh, two more, two more, two more. It's gonna be fun. Try not to spend too much time on this one. Okay. But because this one doesn't matter. Well, it does, but it doesn't. Like, so the question is like Is God restrictive? Is he a killjoy, right? Like is becoming a Christian mean that, like, you can't have any fun anymore, right? Like, I think that's, like, a misconception. Like, when you turn your life to God, people think that, like, you have to change so much about who you are, so yeah. much about what you're doing, yeah. so much about your day-to-day life. And I think unless you're really living in sin, hardcore, mm-hmm. I don't think that that really hits people as much as they think it does. Well, remember who's t- who's saying that. Who's saying that God is restrictive? Who's saying? And by the way, who says that restrictions are bad necessarily? Well, pe- people that want control over everything. Right, right, right. And, and restrictions are good for you. We call it discipline in the real world, kids. Okay, it's, and, and and discipline is good. I mean, that's the reason you wake up in the morning and you you, you have routines and everything. And dis- discipline's good. Now, what, what when you think about rules and you think about regulations, you you tend to think about restrictions because it's telling you, hey, don't do that, and you shouldn't do that. It's not good for you. And it's, you'll find something. What do you, you mean this ain't good for me? I'm drinking more of this. Shut up. I know, but what I'm trying to say though is that the the main point is when we think about the restrictions that God's laid in our lives. Remember, who better to trust with your life for those restrictions than the one who created it, and the one who laid out a plan for it and a purpose for it and a way to connect with you with a person who, who 
brought those restrictions about. So here's the thing: this but, where, but, but, but where did God come from? So I, I, I know that's a different. That's a different. Quote. We'll get that. Let me get this. Let me get through the restriction one. That's a, that's a that's a whole other thing. Okay. First off, the restriction one. There's a verse in in the book of Psalms that talks about uh, his his boundaries have fallen in pleasant places for me. Okay. It, it, okay. It, David talking about that. And here's the thing. That is 100% true. So since becoming a, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old and never looked back, to be honest with you, okay? I've had years of struggle and things like that, like any Christian does in their walk with God. But I will say this, like in all honesty, like I, I've, I've traveled the world. I have had great friendships. I've had heartbreak. I've had pain. I've had everything, all the, all the great things of, the, of a Christian experience. I have a wife of 28 years. I have three wonderful kids. I have all these great things that God's given me, and I've been through joy and pain, and both of those, I really have. So I want you to understand, like, but God's restrictiveness on my life has been an absolute great freedom. It saved me from drunken, foolish, stupid stuff. It saved me from uh, prideful ego business transactions that would have got me in trouble. Addicted it's, to painkillers. Yeah, it saved me from a thousand different things. It really has. And so his restriction, it's, and here's the, I'll, I'll go to sex on this one. I'll go to sex on this one because everyone talks about, you know, sex and like, well, well, what happens with God is like, you know, I can't do what I want sexually and so on and so forth. And it's true. You can't. Here's the reality. Because your creator knows that you were created to enjoy sex in the confines of marriage. One man, one woman, one lifetime. It's how God designed it. Okay. And if he designed it that way, well, the, the best way to go with it is that design. 28 years. I typically will be more sexually satisfied. Most, most people, statistically speaking, who are sexually satisfied are Christians in monogamous marriages. That's true. That's go look it up. Go look up the stat. You can find it out there on Google. You can go look it up. You know, I'm, so I'm not going to speak on that, but I'm just going to give you a wink. Okay. Okay. See, I'm telling you, man, monogamous marriages. <laughs> that's true. It's the best. Yeah. Put on one of these for the best sex you're ever going to have in your entire life. I promise. How you. long have I been with yeah. my wife? Um, been a minute. 10 years? No, 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 no. We've been married six years. It'll be seven in the, in the, in the okay. spring, but we've been together almost 13 or 14 years. Okay. Okay. Yeah, dude. And I'm, I'm telling you what, man, that, that is the absolute best. It really is. And so when you think about God's restrictions for you and think about a, a dad who doesn't want his kid to fall off the wall into a big whirly pool of fire. Okay, that's why he tells him don't get on the wall, and the kid's like, "I just want to see what's on the other side of the wall." And your dad's like, "No, you guys who are fathers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about." Okay, that's why we put the restrictions on our kids' lives. So God's restrictions fall in pleasant places for those who follow them. When you don't, you end up hurt, and He still loves you and still picks you back up and brushes you off and sends you on your way like a good dad does. So, next question. Last All right, one. I got the last question here. Okay. Um. I think it's going to take up some time, and I'm going to give a little bit of like an answer. Okay. I'm going to give my personal opinion on this too. Okay. And then I'll let you go. So, um, the question is, is like, is there really only one way? The way it worded it was, is there only one way to God? Meaning like, if you're religious, is there only one way to be religious, right? So let me, let me, let me stop there. And let me kind of give like, so basically the way the question was worded is like Christianity teaches that Jesus is the only way to salvation, right? So like, is there life. only yeah. one way to God? Mm -hmm. So let me give you my personal rendition of what that means. And then I'll let you go. So for me, like kind of, yes, 
Yeah, like 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 the easy answer is yes. There's only one way to God, right? And the one way to God is through Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that is believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and that um, God came down on this earth and gave His own life in the form of Jesus Christ and the blood to pay for all those sins that we create. Right? That's my uh, my general um, take on that. Okay. My general take on that, uh, is there only one way? Uh, yes. Okay. It's, it's very clear that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but I through me. I am the way and the light. Yeah, I'm the way, the truth, the and the truth. life. The truth, yep. Yeah. I forgot about the way, truth. Way, the truth, and the life. So I, I will say this. I blame the just, bourbon. Just, just, yeah. I will say this. Here's, here's the biggest issue with this. Nobody wants to be told what to do anymore. Nobody wants to be told you're right and you're wrong, okay? True. It's just the reality. So when Truth. somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm God, that's why they killed Jesus. They killed him because they, he, he claimed to be God. That's essentially what he said. He said, how you mere man claim to be God. That I mean, honestly, he said, I am God. And so if, if you have a problem with that, if you have a problem with that, there, so Christianity is either true or it's not. That's what it is. The Bible's either true or it's not. There's no like portions of it that's true and the portions of it that aren't. It's either all in or all out. It's baby and bathwater, baby and the bathwater out. It's one way or the other. And so is Jesus the only way to God and everything else like that? So you open up to what about people who've never heard about Jesus? What about people who've We've had died this discussion before. And everything else like that. But I will I'll, I'll say this. God gives you ultimately what you want. Mm. God gives you ultimately what you want. If you want a life with him, if you want a life without what's him, the, what's Lavar say? Lavar Ball say, speak it into existence. Yeah, yeah. I, I I will say this: God simply gives everybody what they want. If you want God, he, you will find him. It says, "Seek me, and you will find me." If you look holy for God, he you will find him. He will reveal himself to you. It'll be Jesus. It just will. We see this time and again with so many tribes that Christian missionaries have gone out to that have had these tribal leaders that had dreams about. A man talking about Jesus, the one who was crucified. It's it's crazy. But if you don't want God, do you think you're going to be with him for eternity? If you don't want God, you make all kinds of excuses and everything like that. Why Christianity's wrong or a bunch of judgmental kind of pieces of crap and everything else like that. Dude, we're not. I mean, trust me, man. I'm just one beggar trying another beggar to find some bread. It's not real complicated. You know? You you said something to me that really resonated with me mm-hmm. and it wasn't to me specifically, but it was like in conversation. And, um, I actually used this with my wife and I don't know where it went mm-hmm. in her mind. Right. Because, um, long story short, me and my wife are very different on, on biblical beliefs. Trust me on that. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Um, and one of the things you said to me was that, um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. Ready? So Go. you had said something to me along the lines of like, and it wasn't to me, it was just in a general conversation. Cause like, I'm, I'm obviously a believer, right? Yeah. But it was, it was along the lines of like, would you rather be wrong or would you rather be right? So like, for example, and, and, and I'm going to give you what I thought you meant by that. Mm-hmm. And, and I also passed that on to my wife mm-hmm. and the conversation was around like, if you believe in God. Mm-hmm. And you believe in the Bible and you believe in the end times. Mm-hmm. If you're wrong, so what? We just die. Yeah. What the, f- what yeah. are you losing? Yeah. What are you, what are, okay. If you believe in God 
and things are 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 the way that we are telling you they are as Christians that things are going to go the way that we're interpreting them with revelations, with Jesus coming back, with you going to heaven, with you believing that Jesus died for your sins and that you accepting that Jesus died for your sins, getting baptized, acknowledging that you're accepting that that Jesus died for your sins, right? And that he is the one, the way, the light. It's it's just interesting to think that like, why wouldn't you just err on the side of caution? What What do you have to lose in being wrong in that? Well, I, th- I think people are, are are proud. First off, I think most proud about what just being being about in, dying. In, in you're gonna die. I know everybody will. Yeah. So, I, I think unless when you're it, Enoch, when it yeah, <laughs> or you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, there's only three people that didn't die in the Bible. Right. So, so here, here's here's the here's the thing. I think you're talking about Pelag- I think it's called Pelagian's theorem. I can't remember who it was, but they basically talked about um, if you live your life the whole time that there's a God, and you get to the end of your life. Um, and there's not a God, you're not lost anything. If what you have live, you lost? If, if you live your life as, as if there's no God, and you get to your new life and there is no God, then you've lost nothing. You've lost nothing. You've been right. a good person. You've right. made a big impact right. on the world. You've left it a better place than you were before. And the fi- What are you losing? The final equation is if you live your life as if there's no God, you get to the end of your life and there is a God, you've lost everything. Everything, so, bro. So, so when you think of it that way, do you really want to gamble you know, with all the historical evidence and everything else for Jesus and the Bible and God and everything else like that. And, and the question is, that's something that you guys have to answer for yourself at home. What, what, what is it? What, what, what is about this kind of thing? And we're going to give you some resources here in the links below that you can check out for yourself to get into a relationship with Christ if you choose to want to do that. We highly would encourage you to. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton of questions in the comments below, and we'll make sure that we answer those as the best of our ability. So for the Cut, Light, and Smoke podcast, we're going to sign off here and get out of here because it's Black Friday and we got to go. I'm doing something. What Talk about your cigar. How oh, was my it? cigar. Yeah, Very good. I think it's a very good cigar. Depending on price point, uh, it is a little one-dimensional. Um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the uh, Vigilante by uh, Esteban Carrera. It's got a really? nice, nice cocoa-y, nice creamy creaminess to it so that's a um, big price difference then dude yeah vigilante is like 375 for four, Toro, four right? bucks dude right, for right. the gordo yeah so um really in all honesty i think it's a decent cigar um would i smoke it again i don't know maybe well we'll see what about yours uh i would definitely smoke this painkiller again man okay it's um it's a little lighter mm-hmm. for my palate mm-hmm. but it kept me interested enough to keep smoking it okay um okay. it was better than i expected it to be mm-hmm. especially being a brand i've never smoked before um, I'm, I'm interested to try other stuff from them. Okay. So what that tells me is that this is a, this is a decent cigar and I should explore this company a little bit more. Okay. Okay. Well guys, what do you think about GTO cigars? If you've tried them, drop a comment below and thank you so very much for watching the cut line smoke podcast where we talk about cigars, men, masculinity, faith, stuff like that. So hopefully you enjoyed the, the, uh, podcast and we're out of here like last year. Peace guys. 